0: Well, hello, and thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter Podcast. Today is now episode four of the June takeover with The Hill and News Nation, and I'm joined today by Michael Schnell, who is the congressional writer, uh, congressional reporter for The Hill newspaper. Michael, thanks so much for being with me.
1: Thanks for having me, Lisa. I'm really excited to be here. So I,
0: uh, uh, first off, I mean, we have to get started, talk about trial by fire, jumping in to this beat it looks like you've been there just about, just over a year now, um, perhaps some of the busiest time on the Hill, at least in recent history. So tell me, I'm going to come back to that. Tell me a little bit how you got to GW and got into this great communications program there. And and then tell me about the, the evolution, if you will.
1: Yeah, sure. And again, thank you for having me. Um, I've known I wanted to do journalism since middle school, actually. I was, it was in my Home economics class in middle school. It must have been sixth grade, maybe seventh grade. And I have a project I did, a career project. What do you want to be when you get older? And I did it on a sports journalist. I I knew I wanted to be a sports reporter. I grew up with three brothers. I was an athlete growing up. Uh, Sports was my life. And I wanted to find a way to turn it into a career. And I genuinely don't know how I landed on journalism, but I did. And I have that project as proof. So I pursued sports journalism as much as I could in high school. I was the play-by-play announcer for all our varsity sports games. I did the morning announcements and the Pledge of Allegiance over the PA system, and I was the sports editor of the school newspaper, and I loved it. I mean, it was so much fun. In addition to being an athlete, I was able to be a part of the men's teams in a way by announcing their games, bringing in the community, and it was also a lot of fun because I was spotlighting my friends who were on those teams. So, It it was a grand old time, but in a way, sports ended up, the the aspect of sports reporting ended up getting a little mundane to me. I felt it was very repetitive. I was using the same catchphrases with just different names and different sports, and it's very cliche, but this was around the time of the 2016 presidential election, Uh, so I started paying attention to the news a little bit more and politics, and I realized, well, in a way, and this was, of course, electoral politics. In a way, this is like a sport. You have your gate. you have your teams, Democrats, Republicans., yeah. you have the playoffs, which is like the primaries and the caucuses,, yeah. and then the World Series, which is the general election. So I sort of got the political bug in the later years of high school, and uh, that is how I ended up at GW. I was applying to journalism programs all across the country. Mm-hmm. Of course, GW has a fantastic journalism program, the yeah. School of Media and Public Affairs. Uh, really fantastic program. And it's in the heart of Washington. So for someone who wanted to do political journalism, it really seemed hand in hand, like a perfect spot. And uh, I ended up at GW and got a ton of experiences at GW, both through classes and through uh, uh, on-campus activities and through outside internships that uh, helped me land where I am at the Hill now and doing what I do. So
0: where in the Northeast did you grow up? Because I didn't know this ahead of time. But I also I detect I detect a Northeast accent. Where are you from?
1: Well, I was gonna say if you can't hear it in the accent, because I've been told it's very thick. It's not. um, I'm from from New York. I grew up on Long Island, Uh born and raised. And uh, so, yeah, I've been told that I have a bit of a New York accent when I talk. It's
0: pretty good in terms of, I mean, because I say this as a girl from from North Jersey, so I get it. Like we have, but there is there is a twang that that those of us who are from up there definitely know. I mean, people from the south obviously think we're straight out of Brooklyn, but uh, (laughs) but the rest of us know that it sounds pretty clear. But every once in a while, there's a little bit of a so. uh, Awesome, welcome to the podcast, where apparently only my friends are from New York and New Jersey, um, which is not totally true, but everybody has a tie back to the Northeast, which I Mm -hmm. love so much. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. So GW, you're absolutely right. They have this great program there. Um, And just based on the research that I did on your background, like it looks like you really had a lot of hands on you were really involved, you did broadcast for them, you did a lot of great work there. And man, it is right in the center of the city. I mean, there is no better place to get that experience. What kinds of internships did you do when you were there?
1: Yeah, so the great thing about GW and going to school in Washington was, uh, I was able to intern in person during the summer, the summer semester, as most people across the country are. But I was able to also intern in Washington during the fall semester and the spring semester, nice. which was unique to my school because I was in the city. Yeah. Uh, so I interned at a number of the networks. I interned for shows at CNN, for shows at uh, MSNBC. I interned, I was a intern at ABC in one of their reporting units. And then I also, my first internship was actually at The Hill. Oh, nice. It was at The Hill's television program, Hill TV. Um, I was there within the first three months of Hill TV's launch, which was really exciting. I was there on the ground level. And then I ended up getting hired as a part-time production assistant as I was still in college to work on their morning show. So uh, that oh. was, it was very full circle when I ended up back at The Hill post-grad because it was where I started my journalism career outside the classroom. And then it's obviously where I ended up post-grad. So yeah. So. The internships in D.C. were great. I was able to meet a ton of folks and apply what I was learning in the classroom in my in my classes. And uh, in addition to at the college television station, applied in these real world settings, which is
0: fantastic. But also, too, like, you know, this you went from GW in the city to Capitol Hill, which is also like a college campus. Right. I mean, so much. And I've talked about this before with so many of the colleagues and friends I have that work up there with you. It is like its own kind of community of people and you all sort of like help one another out. You arrived on the scene after the really sort of the height of COVID. So like it was, it was April of 22 um, things were starting to open back up. People were really out and about and moving through, but there was a lot of work for you to do in terms of networking and getting to know Capitol Hill is a lot about relationships. So talk to me a little bit about how that first year has gone for you, because it seems to me from your reporting, like, you're pretty plugged in. Um, and, I'm, and I'm curious about how that process worked for you, because I'll stop talking in one second. But the, the cool <laughs> thing about what the Hill is like is that it's really, And by the Hill newspaper is where you work, but Capitol Hill um, is that there's this dynamite network of people that have been there forever and people that are new on the scene that all help one another out. So I'm curious about how that has been for you.
1: On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst
0: this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects.
1: The first year was exciting. It was a lot of fun. People ask me, you know, what's your job like? Did you enjoy your job? It's fun. It's the sort of thing. And it's the cliche that if you enjoy what you do, you don't work a day in your life. I genuinely get excited to go into work the next day. You don't know what the day will entail. You don't know what's going to happen that day. And that's the exciting part of it. But to get to your question, you we, you touched on this before, what sort of my first month was like being thrown right into the mix. Uh, within my first month was I don't know if you remember that article from The New York Times that had tapes from right after uh, January 6th of leadership, private leadership calls, talking about former President Trump, talking about some of those leadership squabbles. Uh, That happened within my first month. And it was also reporting that Roe v. Wade was being struck down. Politico had that fantastic piece of reporting that the Supreme Court had decided to strike down Roe v. Wade, strike down Dobbs. That was also within my first month of working on Capitol Hill. hill. It was um, (laughs) trial by fire. I was thrown right into the mix which I honestly obviously I don't know it any other way because that's what my transition was like but I thought it was a great way uh, to start you just get thrown into it run around speaking to lawmakers seeing what people tell you and a big thing about Capitol Hill is just the familiarity of it right Uh, getting familiar with the hallways and how to get from point A to point B without getting lost (laughs) getting familiar with the lawmakers the more you see their faces the more you recognize them But it's also the other way around, that the more they see you and the more they talk to you, the more they remember you and you can sort of create this rapport with them. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also lucky enough to work with fantastic colleagues up on Capitol Hill, really veterans of the beat. Mike Lillis, Emily Brooks, two people in particular, they Mm -hmm. cover the house with me. Um, They have been extraordinary role models and mentors throughout this entire time of me being a reporter up on Capitol Hill, teaching me the ropes, showing me directions, giving me tips and pointers. So uh, the first year, a lot has happened. We had that drawn-out speakers race. Um, I covered the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act in the Senate with the with the uh, the voterama. I was in the Capitol for more than twenty four hours straight that night. Whoa! Um, I just like just college. Recently, <laughs> yeah, I covered just recently the debt limit. So there have been a lot of exciting, high stakes stories that I've been fortunate enough to cover. It's a, it's a job I said that I love doing and that I enjoy doing, and I find it fun. But I also recognize the privilege with it. And the last thing I'll say, and then I'll stop rambling, is I mentioned this is I knew I've known I wanted to cover politics since high school. And then it was during an internship in college that I actually had the opportunity to go up to Capitol Hill and help out the reporters on Capitol Hill for a few days. And that was during the uh, former President Trump's first impeachment inquiry. Mm. So I was able to go up there and sort of shadow some of the reporters at the network where I was interning. And that's when I caught the Capitol Hill bug. I said, this is cool. The access here is unmatched. You can go up to any of the lawmakers and ask them questions. They, they talk back to you. They, mm-hmm. they respond to your questions. Uh, I thought it was a really cool place to work. And that was sort of the beginning of when I re- recognized that I want to be a reporter on Capitol Hill. So it's sort of every day you walk in, it's, it's, it's very surreal to be doing what I re- recognize I want to do in college and and to be doing it. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's rewarding.
0: I don't think that that ever goes away. Like when I first moved here, I kept saying, because I worked in New Jersey politics for seven, eight okay. years before I came here. And I kept saying like, I can't believe I'm in this town. And then it was like, I can't believe I'm working for this. I worked for an agency before I came to Capitol Hill. And I mm-hmm. said, I can't wait, believe I work in the Capitol. Right. I don't think that ever goes away. I have talked so you're fresh on the scene, but I have talked to John Bresnahan, who's been up there for for a long time, yeah. long time. Um so the span of all of that, that sort of awe and amazement while it changes and modifies over time, like I think that that's what makes the Capitol Hill Press Corps so fun to talk to is that it is like you said, it's access that's unmatched and the ability to really sort of be at the front lines of news that Mm -hmm. everyone cares about every single day.
1: So Capitol Hill is a political epicenter in the sense that like, every story that comes through Washington, I I mean, I'll, I'll qualify it not saying every, but most, if not every story that comes through Washington, hits Capitol Hill in some aspect. So you really get your hands in a little bit of everything, which I think is the best part of it. You're not sort of qualifying yourself to one area, but you get to, to play a hand and, and, and have a role in covering all of these different stories that come through the city. So yeah, it's it's the epicenter of Washington. It's the heartbeat of Washington.
0: Absolutely. And the other thing too, so you mentioned, I mean, because, you know, as much as we talk about all the different threads that are happening on Capitol Hill, there are some stories that are bigger, there are some stories that are smaller, and a lot of them are happening at the same time. It sounds like you work on a team so it sounds like you've got um, Mike and Emily on the team with you. I'm sure that there are other people that sort of jump in and jump out, depending on how big the stories are. How do you, what is your specific beat? Like if, if you guys are like getting into your morning meeting and deciding who's going to cover what or however your process works, because every process is a little different. How do you define sort of what Michael's uh, beat is? I know that it probably evolves over time, but how does today, mm-hmm. like if you're going to the Hill, what are you caring about?
1: Sure. So I'll start that off by saying the way that the Hill is structured is really great for reporting on Capitol Hill because we have beat reporters. So we have an energy and environment reporters, national security reporters, finance, healthcare, who really dive into their specific policy areas. They are experts in those policy areas on and off Capitol Hill. Um, and then I come in and me and I mentioned Mike and Emily, we're more leadership reporters. We focus more on the po- political aspects of Capitol Hill, the leadership battles, more of the bigger picture stories. And then within that group of three, I'm the House floor reporter, which has been a really great way to start. Uh, so essentially any bill that comes to the floor that is interesting, that is worth covering, I write that about. I write that in the story. Mm-hmm. So this week there was a bill about regulatory reforms, about federal rulemaking in Washington called the RAINS Act. I wrote about that. Okay. Uh, there was a resolution asking Russia to release Evan Gershkovitz, the uh, Wall Street Journal reporter who has been imprisoned in Russia. Mm-hmm. I wrote that up. I wrote about the debt ceiling bill when it passed. So what's really been great about covering the House floor is that I've been able to dive into legislation, which has been great because I'm also a policy nerd. I like to dive into the details, into Love these it. different areas. I learned a ton because it could really range from different areas. I get to team up with some of those beat reporters who are experts in that area. So the House floor has been great. And then there's also the opportunity that you can cover the interesting things that happen while the floor is open. So there was a story- a couple of weeks ago, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene was presiding over the chamber, and she had asked for decorum when some Democrats were yelling out when Majority Leader Steve Scalise was giving a speech. And the Democrats actually started laughing at at Marjorie Taylor Greene asking for decorum. They thought it was ironic that she was, and that was such an interesting <laughs> yeah. that, that was such an interesting unnatural thing happened on the House floor. And I guess so. My job is like I get to cover the policy, but also those really interesting things that happen on the house floor uh, that, you know, don't happen every day. And I can be in the chamber for those moments and soak up everything that's happening, write it down on my notepad or on the computer because the cameras are are limited in in the house chamber. And then I can report that and and let viewers and and readers actually understand what's happening inside. So in some long story short, my sort of baby is the house floor all bills that are passing, but then once those uh, responsibilities are completed, I'm able to help out with also these leadership fights with larger, broader stories, things like that.
0: That's amazing. I have to ask, because I'm curious, um, in that time when we were doing the 15 rounds of votes for the speaker, Uh um, there was a lot of coverage about the fact that C-SPAN had unfettered access to the floor, right? Cameras, to your point, were allowed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for those people who aren't you and me, who've been up there, who know kind of how that works, tell me a little bit about, because reporters are not on the floor with the members. Right. Um, so talk to me cause, cause there and for those people who don't know this, there is a house press gallery. There's a place where you mm-hmm. can go and you can work. You can take your laptop file, work on those things. Um, when you're following the votes, you're up in the, you're up in the, um, the balcony, right? Taking a look mm-hmm. and seeing what's going on. Talk to me a little bit about that and, I mean, are you down in the speaker's lobby from time to time trying to get access to members? Yes. Tell me a little bit of, I know about that, but I'm, I am yeah. I bet that the audience would like to know a little bit more about that.
1: So there are a lot of different places where you can stand and stake out and watch in the Capitol. So as you mentioned, you mentioned the two big ones, mm-hmm. the speaker's lobby, which is essentially a room right off the house floor, where members can go and they can take phone calls, they can read the newspaper, but For our sake, for the reporter's sake, it's also a great place where reporters can pull them aside to have a conversation and conduct an interview. So a lot of the time during when lawmakers are voting, they're coming in and out of the chamber. I'm hanging out in the speaker's lobby or around the speaker's lobby looking for members who I have a question for. Mm -hmm. But other times when there's an important vote happening on the floor happened, you know, the speaker's race was one of them. The debt limit bill was another big one. Uh, As you mentioned, there's the balcony in uh, the house and the, in the press gallery, mm-hmm. we're able to go into the gallery and, and it's sort of like a fishbowl in a way. I think yeah. that the members sometimes <laughs> feel like they are a fish <laughs> and a fishbowl because you're essentially on this balcony overlooking the house floor great where all the members are just walking around, sitting down, talking to each other. And uh, it's a really great, cool scene. You have this bird's eye view of everything that's going on. And You can essentially see who's talking to who or uh, who's sitting alone or, you know, who's what Democrat is sitting on the Republican side and vice versa. Uh, It's a really, really cool spot to observe the inner workings of the House of Representatives. Uh, And you can just have some great observations there. So uh, to your point, during the speaker's rate, the C-SPAN was given control of the cameras in the house chamber so mm-hmm. uh typically there are only a few angles that the house allows in the chamber uh c-span was was zooming into everything right they were looking all over the place yeah and it was really fascinating and i think that a lot of uh you know p- political followers who aren't in the Capitol but watching from home were fascinated by that mm-hmm. to see these conversations who's talking to who you know who, where's everybody sitting uh, it, a lo- uh, something that I've tried to do through my reporting and through other projects that we've done at the Hill is to bring our readers inside the halls of the Capitol. Right. The Capitol is sort of this big building where we know a lot of things happen. But, you know, to use a cliche, how is a sausage actually made? Right? Yeah. How does yeah. it actually work? So the speaker's race, I think a lot of people enjoy it, to see Absolutely. what actually happens in this big building. Who's talking to, to who? Um, but yeah, so I hang out a lot up there in the gallery during specifically during those big votes mm-hmm. to uh see see what's going on down there. That's, it's
0: so So to those who haven't been there, it is a really cool place. It is, I remember I worked for the speaker a a lifetime ago now. I mean, so many speakers ago, but I worked and I remember just reporters would just stop by my office because I was in the Capitol, right? And they just come sit down and like chat with us. We'd have coffee and it would be unscheduled. And it's, it was a remarkable time. I think it's still a lot like that, but it's the neat thing about it is that there is, as you say, Opportunity for conversation at all turns. And members aren't going out of their way. If they're in the middle of a negotiation with another member, they're not stepping off the House floor to have a conversation in the Speaker's Gallery. But how cool for you, first, I mean, real first official job, but obviously you've been at this for some time. um, A remarkable and amazing way. Talk about like trial by fire, but this, you'll never, ever forget this opportunity and this time because it's so historic.
1: Absolutely. And it's yeah. Yeah. I mean, you put it perfectly. It's I'm someone who's always been a political junkie and someone who has always been a follower of politics. It's again, it's the privilege and it's just really cool and a lot of fun to be able to actually be reporting it. Right. And I talk to my, my parents about this all the time. I, I, if I call them after a day of work and I'm like this, this, you know, this thing happened or that thing happened or I'm going to be in the gallery for this tomorrow. They always just remind me, you know, when, when you're in there, and it's a hustle and a bustle, and there's a lot going on, you have to really be on your game, take like 30 seconds to take stock of where you are for a second yeah. and recognize that, you know, hey, I'm here covering this story. It, again, it just goes back to the whole fact that it's a privilege.
0: It's, I mean, it's, yes, it is. And I'm glad you're there. And I'm so happy that you're having such a busy but also amazing time. Yeah. Um, I have to ask, uh, because not always are you a journalist, you're also sort of having like a life outside of not often, because I know <laughs> Capitol Hill is like, all when consuming. there's time for that, when you have a few minutes, um, what kinds of things are keeping you busy? What are you doing in your spare time?
1: Hmm, let's see. I'm a big foodie. Mm-hmm. So I like to travel around DC, find the best new restaurants. Okay. Um, and that's also sort of translated into it being trying to cook a little bit. Okay. So I've been attempting recipes here and there. Um, I think, I think I'm think i pretty decent at it. It's yeah. it's a work in progress. I'm a bit of a chaotic cook. So the food will be good at the end of it, but the kitchen cleanup will take a while <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> um, so cooking and, and food is a lot of fun. Uh, I'm still really into sports. Um, I don't play sports anymore, but still a follower. Yankees, Knicks, Giants, all New York teams. We can talk about Um, that all day long. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I've I've been going to a couple concerts lately, which has been a lot of fun. I'm sort of an old soul when it comes to music. So I recently saw Billy Joel, who is my all time favorite. Okay,
0: I was gonna ask about that. Where did you see him?
1: I saw him at Madison Square Garden. Oh, nice. Okay, New York. Awesome. It was my fifth time seeing Billy. Uh Every time is as good as the one before. Absolutely. And then I I recently saw Bruce Springsteen, which was my first time seeing Bruce. Mm -hmm. And that show was incredible. I mean, the band (laughs) is still kicking. They went for almost three hours without, without skipping a beat. Um, that was, was there. Awesome. So, yeah. I was
0: there. I was the one in the rafter screaming and yelling like a crazy person. <laughs> uh, I grew up in Asbury Park, so Springsteen oh, is no like yeah, Springsteen is like. I've seen him a f- a few times. Uh, I don't. I have. I don't keep count. Some people keep count. I've seen him a lot, but they're great shows. And DC is oh like the God. greatest place to see a show because not only you have we this great all the great stadiums, but then there's also a lot of local cool small venues that are uh-huh. awesome opportunities. Um, restaurants is there one that stands out Is one that you're like you loved that you've been to recently
1: oh that's a good question i'm a big sushi person okay i love sushi so perry's in washington is great Mm -hmm. um tiger fork is a great chinese food place and then um great mediterranean food. those are probably three of my three of my tops my top spots uh
0: i just went this week finally to caruso's grocery and I, I have,
1: haven't been but I've heard great things. Okay,
0: if I mean, you're in New York, I'm New Jersey. So, you know, the bar is a little different for us than most others. Yeah, uh, yes. it meets the bar. I'm glad you
1: recognize it's it, solid
0: yeah. gold. It is it's okay. it's really it's a it's a solid, solid stop. Um. Uh, that's so awesome. I'm so glad to meet you. And I'm so glad to have had your time today. So I as I get to the end of my conversation with you, I have to ask, who should I talk to next for the podcast?
1: Who should you talk to next? Um, I am going to recommend my very good friend, my talented colleague, um, who's helped me a lot throughout the way. She's another mentor of mine, Julia Manchester. She's a national politics reporter at The Hill. She covers campaigns primarily. And uh, I met Julia when I was interning at The Hill, and we kept in touch. And she's become one of my really good friends and a very close colleague. She is awesome. She knows more than any, more about the royal family. Oh. Than anyone I know, okay, so that was very relevant recently when the queen passed away and the coronation, yeah, um is awesome she's That's great
0: fantastic, okay, good, so I want to tell her that you nominated her yes. um and i i oh, I love that awesome, yeah, and the, and campaign's obviously heating up as much as they're sort of unfolding on the house floor all day long every day, also mm-hmm. on the road and everywhere else, so it'd be great to talk to you very, very relevant too very relevant awesome Michael, I'm so, so glad for your time today. Thanks so much for being with me
1: this was awesome. A lot of fun. Thanks, Lisa.
0: And there you have it. Another episode of the Friday Reporter Podcast in partnership with PR Daily and coming soon to a platform near you on Bigwig Podcasts. See you next
1: week.